Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hey, welcome back to She Speaks Life. I am so excited to have with me Rhonda Barney. Rhonda is the author behind the book called Dear Susan, Letters of Comfort, Hope, and Peace for Women Facing a Life-Changing Illness. And we are here to talk about Rhonda's own health journey and how this amazing book came about. Hi, Rhonda. Welcome. Hi, it's so great to be here. I know. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. I just been diving into this book and it is just so amazing to see the hand of God on every page mm-hmm. and the things you are going through in your own life altering illness and how you can uh, see God working even through the suffering and the pain and how you touch on really every feeling and emotion that we go through when something like that rocks our world. So I really love the concept of this book and how it's a compilation of letters written to a woman named Susan. And it's to provide tangible ways to process uh, feelings and fears that come with that a life-altering illness. And so let's hear how God brought you through your own health journey and how he began this message of hope to you. Mm, wow, there's so much to unpack here. I'm so excited yeah, to. Me too. Um, yeah, so, you know, in the beginning, when I started um, seeing that my health, I'd always been so, so healthy, just incredibly yeah. healthy and so blessed in that way. And, um, when i started seeing holes and the fact that like yeah i started to see my health decline it really it changed the way that i lived my day to day and it gave me empathy and eyes to see people that i'd never seen before because i was one of them and Mm -hmm. i remember stopping and thinking i don't know how to live this way i don't like i know how to live you know um spinning like a top and Mm -hmm. just putting out all of the fires of the today and doing all the things we do as women. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how to live with a body that won't cooperate. And when I can't show up in the world as a wife and a mother and a friend, um, as an employee, the way that I used to. And so it, it really was the beginning of starting a brand new journey of knowing how to live. And I have to tell you, as I look back, I'm real. I realize that that journey actually taught me the way that I want to live now. Even though I've regained my health and I, you know, things are so much better. There's all of those lessons that I learned along the way, and all the emotions that I experienced, and all that suffering. Um, there are things that came out of it that really have that enriched my life to this day, um, and I don't want to ever, you know, lose those lessons. Absolutely. Mm, Wow. What exactly did happen to your physical health, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, not at all. It was a complicated journey. Um, I was 34 when, and my son had just been, my first baby had just been born. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, at, at the age of 34, by the way, 
I had always, I'd always hoped I could be a mom and that that would happen for me. And finally at the age of 34, when, you know, you're holding your first child, it was really just weeks after that, that I was given a diagnosis that if not treated would be potentially fatal. And it just, I guess for the first time, my morality, mortality was right in front of me. And at the time when you have so much you want to live for and so many reasons you want to live. And I remember literally, I have to tell you, I just, I remember laying on my bedroom floor and just crying and asking God for healing and please let me raise this child. Please let me, you know, complete this journey of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And we, we were able to um, go through treatments and I was able to come out on the other side and remission and healed. And it was just glorious. I even had another daughter. I have a daughter as well. And, um, but as far as my health journey, I thought at that point it's over. That was like a blip on the screen. I made it through that crisis. Um, thank you, God. And we were just celebrating and rejoicing. And, but what happened for me was the treatments, um, they knocked out my immune system in a way that my immune system never completely recovered. And so within a few years, um, little by little, different infections and things um, took hold. And I, I like to say I was a I was an infectious disease nightmare, really. I mean, I had seven surgeries in seven years. I had bone infection. I had mm. um, viral infections, bacterial infections. Um, I had Lyme disease. There was there were so many things that had to be just completely um, sorted out. And it took years to get me back on my feet. Years. And during that time, my kids were, were really little. So it was, it was quite the journey of motherhood fighting to get back to what I considered my norm, you know? Um, yeah. 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 That's hard. And especially when we have littles, I mean, we're like the one person doing everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least mm -hmm. it was like in my marriage, you know, my, my husband had full-time job and I was, mommy and it was a lot of uh, activity and doing and being that one source that they leaned into to do all the things that you need to do when they're that little. So mm -hmm. um, I just can't imagine. Wow. So you started to kind of go through, you know, the challenges of your health. And so when did it start where you began to be, I guess, encouraged to start writing these letters of hope and encouragement? I mean, did it start out where you're just writing it to yourself? And then, you know, Susan came to mind a name. Um, take us through the, the process of that. Uh, absolutely. I actually, one day I was, I had driven to a Christian bookstore and I, well, and just before that, I, you know, I'm a journaler. I wouldn't, you know, I'd never considered myself like a writer, but I journal. That's just part of my practice of yeah. prayer and, um, me too. Getting my own emotions out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm like one of these people when I'm praying, it's like squirrel, squirrel, you know, yeah. so if, if I <laughs> oh can gosh, write I it, <laughs> yes. Um, if I can write it, then it's in front of me and I, it's just a really cool way for me to listen and, um, 
um, and just to pour out my heart to God. So yeah, that's, that's just part of my practice. But with that said, I, um, one day I went to the Christian bookstore and after this long journey with illness and I'm standing in one of the aisles, um, looking for a book. And all of a sudden I overhear this conversation where this woman literally is, you just, her voice is so distressed and it just caught my attention. And she said, she said, I'm looking for a book. She's talking to a clerk and she was asking for a book. And she said, I'm looking for a book because my very best friend is going in for a bone marrow transplant next week. And she will be in isolation for 30 days and no one can go see her. So mm -hmm. I, so because I can't go see her, I want to send a book that would just bring her comfort and peace during that time. And I remember the clerk looking her at her in the eye with this just blank stare. And it, he really was thinking and he wanted to help, but there was just, he, he just said, I can't think of anything. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm a therapist. I've had my own journey with illness. What would I recommend? And, you know, I could think of a few devotionals, but there was nothing that I could think of in that store that would speak to a woman who was facing um, a bone marrow transplant. And incidentally, um, I, as a dietitian, had worked in a bone marrow transplant before. And so I remembered the smells. I knew what this woman was going to go through. And so yeah. it just really grabbed my heart to think about this woman. And mm. I remember walking out of, made my purchase, walked out of the bookstore. And as I was driving home, I just... I was thinking about, again, this woman going through the transplant and I was just like, there should be a book. There should be a book that you can go buy if your friend is facing um, any kind of illness. It doesn't have to be something that extreme. And, yeah. and I just really felt like God was like, well, then why don't you write it? Like there's just this feeling in my heart and, mm -hmm. and this knowing. And I remember thinking because I... I don't know where to start writing a book. And so I'm just not your girl kind of thing. And so I went home and he's like, yes, you are my girl. <laughs> I love it when yes. we go, no, he's like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that was the summer of 2017. And mm -hmm. it's, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I just couldn't get the question out of my heart. I just couldn't get it out of my mind. And finally, a year later, the summer of 2018, it was almost like, okay, I'll do it if you'll just, you know, yeah, I'll do it. I, basically, I'll do it to kind of show you that I don't know what I'm doing, but I will be obedient here. And <laughs> yeah. so I remember grabbing my journal because that's what I'm familiar with writing in. And I um, love the good old fashioned write, you know, with pen and paper. So I headed to the backyard and I just started writing. And I thought if I was going to talk to this woman, what would I say to her? And so she was very much in my mind as I was writing. And I couldn't help but take from my own experience with illness. And I guess being a therapist, I wanted to just provide a space for her emotional and spiritual journey through this you know, process. And, mm -hmm. and we know that there's also a connection between mind and body. And so if as we're going through something that traumatic, if we're able to express those emotions and able to find a place of, of peace or comfort, 
then it actually takes a burden off the body and the body is more likely to heal. And so mm. I just wanted to provide a space for her to, and give her language to express what she might be feeling. And so I thought, well, the best way to talk to her directly is to write her a letter. And mm. so it started out just writing a letter and then I would think, okay, if you're going to write a letter, you have to have a name. And so I just started praying, God, give me a name. And the name Susan just kept coming to me. And mm. so I thought, well, that's as good as any. And so I wrote, Dear Susan. And and then each letter I found just ended up having its own emotional theme. And so like one letter, the first letter is today you feel like you're a burden to your family or another letter might be about feeling like you're a failure or another one might be about grief. Um, and as, as I was writing, it was interesting because it really was cathartic. I, I have to, I have to tell you every letter had tears over the whole letter. It was, mm -hmm. um, I was, yeah, I was writing it out of a deep, deep knowing. Mm -hmm. um, and just, again, just wanting to provide that space of not yeah. fixing it, of not, I, and I, I really didn't want there to be any, like, um, you know how often people, not, not meaning to, but they can say the darndest things sometimes when people are going right. through something like this and yeah. they can just say things that aren't helpful. And so what I really was trying to do was not give pat answers, not give things that in our Christian terminology sometimes that are, you know, but something that's real and just provide a space for them to feel and for them to truly be able to pour that out to God and, um, and hopefully to be able to pour that out to their family and their community and yeah. have a place where they're known and seen and heard and give them language to do that. So that yeah. was, as I was writing it, that was sort of what was going through my mind and what sort of developed over time. And this woman, since she was going to be in the transplant for 30 days, I decided to a minimum of 30 letters and there are 39 letters in the book. So, mm, yeah, gosh. that's how the, the book developed. They're beautiful. I could tell everything that you wrote, you were experiencing yourself and seeing God's hand in every word that you wrote. I couldn't help but highlight everywhere that really spoke volumes. And I love in the beginning, so I'm kind of going to go through and pull out some of the things in your book because I really want the listener to really get a taste of what this is like. I love how you started out in the beginning of, I know what it is to feel. And you just mm -hmm. went into all the different uh, ways that you are feeling and experiencing. And it kind of sets you up for what those feelings are going to be. And because the next one you wrote in the top of this letter was, you are not a burden. And then it says, dear Susan, and you're writing the letter of why we aren't a burden. And so bear with me because I've got some highlights and they may be long, but I just thought, oh my gosh, I have to voice this on here. It says, mm -hmm. 
Friend, you are worthy of healing and love. Your view of yourself in the equation is so important. Thank your caregivers as the hands and feet of love. Allow them to care for you. Let them wrap you in compassion and kindness. Don't hate or despise your need for them. You see the truth is we are interdependent and we are walking each other home. So beautiful. Yes, we need each other. We are all a part of one body. The Bible encourages us to bear each other's burdens and in so doing, fulfill the law of Christ. What is Christ's law? Love. When we allow others to serve us, we partake in a beautiful transaction of love. You are not a burden. You are loved. You are human, and humans have messy, beautiful needs. Allow love to be a balm that heals your body and soul. And you know, I highlight this because I think so many of us, whether you're going through a life altering illness or not, we have a hard time allowing people to take care of us to, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, allow the caregiver to, you know, pour out to you. And it sounds crazy, yeah. but sometimes we just need that permission just to be served because, you know, maybe you're a woman that's always feeling like you're serving and you're doing this mm -hmm. and you're giving. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us women, sometimes it's hard for us to accept you know, yeah. that we need other people and it's not forever, you know, and there's going to be seasons where we're going to need mm -hmm. to accept that. And I just thought that was so essential and important to voice because I think yeah. that is a struggle. Yeah. I, I echo that. Absolutely. I know. And I, I've, cause I've gone through it myself where I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. But really, you know, you need help. You know, you can't mm -hmm. walk today. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. did something mm -hmm. to your foot or whatever, allow people to take care of you. So another one was, do you feel invisible? And I pulled this one out that I thought was so great. I highlighted, I will never forget one particularly dark early morning when I arrived early for a medical appointment. As I sat in my car in the parking lot, I watched hospital employees arrive to begin their shifts. I remembered the days I too walked into a hospital to begin my work day, and I cried. I cried tears of sadness and loss, and I felt invisible. It was as if the life I once knew had been erased. And with it, I was somehow erased as well. Again, you conclude with, oh, dear friend, if you resonate with my words, no, I see you as I write this, I cry with you. And in this moment, my heart firmly knows if I can see you, there is also one who sees you perfectly. Yes, he sees the real you, not just the role you once played. You have not disappeared. The creator knows your name and every hair in your head or no longer on your head. You are not invisible. My dear friend, may you know this truth today. You are seen and loved, so, so loved. And wow, I mean, going through illness or not, I mean, how many of us don't feel seen or we're, you know, grieving what was once was and now it's different. And that kind of takes me to you know, that grief part that you shared on page 37 about the beach and, mm -hmm. you know, how it got 
uh, destroyed by a hurricane, but they did say, you know, we're still accepting tourists, come on, you know, and, and still enjoy yourself. But when you took your daughter, it was not the same beach mm -hmm. as you remembered. And how you paralleled that with, you said, yes, my beach has changed, but as I have grieved the loss of what was, it has given me room to accept the beauty of the new before me. I walk on a new beach and I've found treasures washed ashore that I did not see before. I'm going, wow, this is just so beautiful. The things that you start out with sharing it's okay to feel this and that, but then you're always directing it back to the truth and God's word and who he is. And so I, I just, I want to say, you know, thank you for writing this. Even if you haven't gone through sickness or something that rocked your world, I just love how I can relate on so many different levels on how you wrote this because you know, we do live in a broken world and yes. we need to know how to process those feelings, but then not stay stuck, but be pointed mm -hmm. to the one that gives us the hope. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for sharing those entries. And it, I have to tell you, as you're reading, like I can just, I can feel the words, you know, yeah. I, I'm so familiar <laughs> with them and all of the emotions yeah. would just come up as you're reading. And I love hearing what other people, you know, highlight or what they take or what mm -hmm. they relate to. And I think one of the one of the really surprising things for me, because writing this was very vulnerable. It's really raw. It's oh, this is this is how I felt. This is the grief that I went through or like you said, feeling invisible, like I had lost myself completely. And mm -hmm. um and just with that, but I really found myself because how often we as women tie our worth and our value to what we do. And just like even that first letter about being a burden, mm -hmm. I feel like often we tie, we, we only know ourselves through the lens of what we give mm -hmm. and not who we are just as a being, just as a person, you know? And when there are times in our life, whether it's illness or, any kind of trauma, often it, it can rip us to the studs. You know, it can take us down to the studs where we're just left with us. And I think it's so important during that time to know what tr that the truth about who we are and that we're still seen and known and loved. And like you said, as we go through different phases of our life, things change and that is part of life. And mm -hmm. we are going to go through seasons where our environment may change, our circumstances may change, our families may change, our health may change, but yeah. who we are and who God's created us to be and who he is never changes. Like, mm -hmm. like our worth, our value and how much we're loved, that is just a cornerstone that we can always stand on. And, and sometimes it's being, t those things being ripped away is what allow gives us eyes to even see Mm -hmm. to see it, you know, yeah. and to understand that we're loved, still loved in that place. Yeah. It's hard, but I, yeah, I'm hoping that this book will give people a way to express all those emotions, work through the loss, work through the pain of it. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, also reframe in a way that they can 
they can still find there's so much hope still and that they can yeah. find truly what what is hope and mm-hmm. and how how do you get through the day to day when you know because it's hard it's really hard i mean trauma and grief um and i think so often especially in the christian circles there's can be this sense of that emo like negative emotions such as sadness or some of those things are you know you need more faith or why are you sad? You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's so many things that we can like come right. back at people with and yeah. not give them the space to, to feel all of the, the hard things and um, right. to heal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Mm, I love it. I know that's a soapbox. I could go on for a long time, but <laughs> well, I know I love how you pretty much covered so much. Uh, another one, I just, I just can't let like my highlights go because they were so good. Go for it. The next one was about failure. And you said, dear friend, when we experience pain, it can feel as though someone has to be blamed. We seek to understand why the suffering is happening, somehow fix it and not let it happen again. Our minds try to make sense of it all by asking, how did this happen? Who is at fault? And it's so true that, and then you go, the truth is you are a gift. The packaging may look a bit different, but as long as you have breath, your life has significance. Yeah. You have so much to offer. Your family needs your love, your warmth, and mm-hmm. your care. They need you. They don't need your cooking, organizational skills, or other capabilities as much as they need who you are as a unique individual. You are more than what you do. Yes, especially for a woman who's such a doer. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit of that Martha, you know, and Mm -hmm. I tend to bend that way. And you got to be careful because your significance and your worthiness isn't defined by what you do Mm -hmm. and how much you, you know, serve others and do this and even doing for God, you know, like God mm-hmm. wants us to become with him, you know, mm-hmm. not so much yes. the do, but okay. And then you said, you, my dear friend, are a human being, not a human doing. And you continue to create beauty in this world with your very presence. Influence, impact, and precious memories are not measured by strength and action. They are created by your love. You have not failed. Don't let blame Rob you of the gifts you bring. Give yourself compassion and empathy. You haven't let them down. Rather, you lift them up with your presence and love. And we just got done with Mother's Day, right? Like in the last week here, as we're recording, uh, Mother's Day was last uh, week. And I got the card from the kids and I get one card and then they all write down you know, all these loving words to mom. And, you know, that's like the best gift ever. I mean, I'd rather have that than anything else. And when they are writing, they're all words of thank you for talking with me. Thank you for just being there for me. I mean, Mm -hmm. they don't write Thank you for washing the dishes. Thank you for doing Mm. my laundry. I mean, Mm. they may say like you do so much, but it is always the eternal significance, like the things that are going to matter when we get to heaven. Mm. And I mean, that just when I was reading that and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is just the truth here that it's all Mm -hmm. about just being in the present 
And how many times mm -hmm. we overlook that or don't treat it as special mm -hmm. as it really is and as important and essential in life as it is. And I just love reading this and how you know, you can go back and look at cards and see what your loved ones say about you. And it's all about spending time talking with me, giving hugs when I was down. It's mm. not our yes. activities necessarily, our chores yes. that we do for our kids. <laughs> yes. It's like the essence of you and your love. That's what they, yeah that's what they were returning to you and saying, mom, this is what I see and this is what I value. And, um, yeah. and I think kids have an, an amazing way of seeing us, of really, yeah. they see so much, right? And mm -hmm. they, they know when we're present, they know when we see them, they know when we're listening, they mm -hmm. know, and you know, you don't have to, to be able to run, you know, a marathon to be able to do that for your kids. You right. can do that from your bed. You yeah. know, you can, I can remember mm -hmm. days of just laying on the couch and talking and, mm -hmm. or um, playing a game with them yeah. while I was laying down or watching their favorite movie with them, but just mm -hmm. being interested in what they were interested in and giving them my attention and my presence. Um, yeah. So it's so important. Not that all the other things don't have to happen and they do, but right. You know, as you were saying that, I remember one time I was reading through a bunch of blogs. This was about 10 years ago. And it was, again, while I was still dealing with everything and reading through some some different blogs about this these perfect Pinterest Easters that moms were putting together for their children. And, yeah. you know, the perfect outfits and the perfect Easter egg hunts and all of the things. And yeah. I remember sitting there and feeling like such a failure because mm -hmm. just you know, a, girl, a girlfriend was buying my kids Easter outfit. And I, yeah, like I didn't have the energy to hide eggs, just all the things right. and or do the perfect meal. And I just remember thinking, how can there are, if I'm feeling this way, I know there has to be other women out there that are comparing themselves and feeling like a failure, feeling like they are not an adequate mom because they don't live up to all the things that they are seeing and all the pictures that they are seeing and that somehow just being them, whatever that looks like is not enough. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you, it is enough. And what you just described about your mother's day card is just echoes that like just you, just you being there for your kids is enough. So yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So as you are writing to a woman named Susan, which I just love God gave you that name. I love it when we ask him for something and he gives it to us and, you know, it's just sticking to you. And I always think like, you know, when something doesn't go away and it just sticks and I know it's the Holy Spirit, I know it's God speaking. And that's just, you know, one of my ways I just know that it is his voice. So I love how you said that you were introduced to the real Susan. So I would love to hear that revelation from when God gave you that word to actually meeting a real woman named Susan. Yeah, meeting the real Susan was, was just incredible and unexpected, absolutely. 
because I had written, like I said earlier, I'd written letters in 2018 and it was, you know, a wonderful experience writing those letters, but then I wasn't sure how to get them published or, and honestly, I don't think I was even quite sure that they were meant for the world. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I had, I had completed what I was asked to do at that point. And so that Dear Susan Journal sat in my closet, literally, for two years. And then fast forward to 2020. And I think we all remember when the world was shutting down from COVID and all of that. And everybody was in quarantine or staying, you know, mm -hmm. isolated. And a friend, a dear friend of mine texted me and she said, hey, I'm, we were basically canceling a coffee date because we were all you know, staying um, in our homes. And she said, and also I'm going to stay in quarantine because one of my dear friends from college was just sent home on hospice with a stage four diagnosis. And she said, I want to be able to go and relieve her husband and go and just be with her during this time. And I don't know. I have to tell you, I just, as she was, as I'm reading these words that she was texting, I, you know, I just thought, what a gift that you're giving your friend to stay in quarantine so that she wouldn't be concerned and yeah. about, you know, getting sick. And so I just texted back and said, you know, I, wow, that is such a gift. And I would love to pray for your friend. I'm so sorry about her situation. And she said, yeah, that'd be great. Her name is Susan. And when she typed, when I saw the word Susan on my screen, I literally, because my friend didn't know anything about the letters. She didn't know. I had not shared that with her. Yeah. And so I remember thinking immediately, Susan, really? And so I, I texted back and just said, you're going to think I'm absolutely a nutcase, but I have this whole like journal full of letters to a Susan. And, and I just, I said, I wouldn't pretend to know what she's going through. Like I have never been put on hospice. I've never been given a stage four diagnosis. And so I sort of sheepishly like offered them. But I said, you know, if there's anything in the letters that would be of some benefit to her, I would be happy to share them. Um, and she said, well, let me ask Susan. And literally within days, literally within days, Susan and I were talking over email and Susan was asking me for the letters. And so the way it worked was my friend Autumn, and Autumn is in the book too. You'll read a letter from Autumn. So Autumn was Autumn, Susan, and I were on every letter, and I would just pull a letter out of my journal and edit it and send it to Susan over email. And I usually sent them late at night because she was having trouble sleeping. And so mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, she would read a letter and I would wake up the next morning to her response. And I didn't expect a response, but I was just overwhelmed by like, you know, going through everything she was going through, the fact that she wanted to correspond with me about these letters. Mm -hmm. And she would say, yes, that's how I felt. Thank you so much for giving me language. Or yes, you nailed it. Another time I remember her saying, like, basically, you know, I was able to, I could just share this with my husband. I didn't have to explain it. I could just say, read this. This is, this is how I feel. 
And, Mm -hmm. and so I, you know, as we, as I shared those letters with her, she opened up her own story and her own emotions and how she had, because this, this was a reoccurring diagnosis. Oh, and just one of the, the side notes with that is her terminal diagnosis came back in 2018. When I was writing the letters, Susan, um, Mm -hmm. her cancer diagnosis was, um, the terminal diagnosis was given. And then for two years, she had been doing everything possible to, to heal and extend her life. And so when I met her, you know, she had, they basically had said, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do. And so it was this really sacred space of walking with Susan through the last weeks of her life and hearing her heart and hearing her story and, and somehow speaking into it, which is only God. And by the end of the summer, Susan said, you know, Rhonda, I, she was an ICU nurse and she said, I've seen a lot of death and dying and nothing had prepared me for my journey through this time of my life. And she said, there's, I've never read anything quite like it. You have to publish these letters. And I remember reading her words and literally sitting there and crying and thinking Mm -hmm. ultimate affirmation of my heart and what I had felt. And then somehow I was also able to offer affirmation for her journey as well. And, um, and I said, okay, I will, I will publish them if you'll do me, if you'll promise me one thing. And she said, what? And I said, you have to write the foreword. And so she did in her last weeks of life, she wrote that foreword and which again, she was just an extraordinary person, you know, on her deathbed, she's writing a foreword for a book. And, and so as you open that book, her, her words are the first words that, that you read. And she talks about what the letters meant to her and a little bit about her journey. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's amazing. Wow. What a great story. Okay. So going back into your book, what was maybe the most personal experience that you went through out of all those Mm -hmm. letters and why you leave the blank pages, which I think is really cool because we can, you know, write down how we're feeling. Yes. I, um, as I was, because of that interaction that I had with Susan and the fact that it was so powerful for her to not only read the letters, but then to, again, voice her own story, her own experiences, her own emotions and how she processed them. And that I thought I really wanted to take anybody and everybody that would want to join me on the same journey that I took with Susan, where I send a letter and then they have that journal space after each letter, you know, that I specifically wrote are put in journal spaces after every letter with a prompt. And then they can then just respond to the letter in their own words. And I even talk about in the book, if it can be their own private journal space or if they want, they can they can share it with a friend. They don't have to go through this journey alone. And maybe it would open up conversations like it did for Susan. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, Autumn mentioned so many times that there were topics that would come up in the letters that she and Susan would then delve into. And it it allowed Autumn just to ask some questions and just to listen and to provide a space for Susan 
that, mm-hmm. you know, things, in fact, Autumn says in her, in her letter for caregivers that it, like the little elephants in the room, sometimes the things you don't know how to say, or you don't know how to talk about that. It, it brought up space for those, for those type of things. And I'm hoping that it will give people a way to sit with other people through suffering without feeling like they have to have the answers or that they have to fix it or they, but just, just to simply be with someone. So good. Okay. What would you give? This is the takeaway here that I love to ask at the end. So what would you leave as a takeaway Uh, maybe if someone was feeling overwhelmed or was supporting a friend that was going uh, through a life-altering illness, what are some of those things that you can leave for the listener to ponder on? You know, I think sometimes we, we don't reach out to people because we don't know what to say or we're afraid of saying the wrong thing or we don't want to bother them or we don't um, know what they need or how to help. And if there's somebody that you love that's that's suffering, that's what just what they need is your love and they need your presence. And so it's really about sitting with them and listening and asking them what they need. And it, they may not even know. And so there are times that just being observant and thinking, you know, do they need food? Do they need, you know, what are what are the ways that I can, do they have small children? can I offer to take their children? I'm taking my kids to the park. Can I just offer to just run by and take their kids to the park as well? Can I offer to take their kids to school? Like if, you know, the carpool kind of thing, can I offer just to take over the carpool until they're better? Or just little things that really sometimes don't take that much more time, but can mean the world to someone who can't hardly get out of bed. And I have to tell you, that's, that is what I experienced was I experienced this community of amazing women that came around me and would just show up on my doorstep with a meal or mm-hmm. call me or text me and say, Hey, can I have the kids for the afternoon? Or ask me what I needed. Is there something that you need today? Or sometimes they would just call and listen to me cry. And that was it. It was yeah. just mm-hmm. listen to my process. And it was, priceless. So you don't have to do it perfectly. Just show up. Mm, So good. Yeah. We need to be reminded that it's the smallest things really. I mean, just a text, like, how are you Mm -hmm. feeling today? I'm praying Mm -hmm. for you. You know, just knowing that somebody's like you're saying in your letters that, you know, God sees us, but you know, it feels good Mm -hmm. to know that another person sees us. Mm -hmm. A friend of ours is thinking of us and is sending some encouragement, a, a scripture verse, a prayer. So um, yes. it's the smallest thing. I, I love that. That's so true, Rhonda. Okay, where can people connect with you? I know you are doing a member program. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so as I've gotten feedback from the book, community is what I keep hearing. And mm-hmm. so I've decided to start a membership just where people can, if they've enjoyed the principles in the book, that they, they can just come in and delve in. And every month I will be, um, there'll be a community where we all talk. And then every month I'll be giving fresh videos and Zoom calls and just a way that I can support people that are 
um, isolated or people that, you know, again, you don't have to have a cancer diagnosis or be terminal to experience this membership. It can be any level of, of illness. But with that said, yeah. And then I have written an online course. And so people can just go to my website and purchase that. Or if they're in the membership, they'll have free access to the online course as well. And that, that course is called the beautiful life blueprint. And what I do is I take the principles of the book. And if I were to boil them down to five concepts, these are the five concepts. And so I, mm. I go into each concept and how it was really pivotal for me, um, with my mental health, with my spiritual walk, all of those things. And, and they have sort of free access to that as well. And you can find me at rondabarney.com and it's Rhonda without an H. Thank you so much, Rhonda. I mean, this is just the most beautiful book and everything that you wrote just touches on, you know, whatever feeling emotion that we are going through and whether we're going through illness or not. I mean, it's just really an amazing book of hope and encouragement. And I want to thank you for sharing your story on here. It's been a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you so much. Honestly, the honor was mine. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.